Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. This week, we're at the end of the Book of Numbers, and it's Parshat Matoth Masai, chapter 30, verse 2, through chapter 36, verse 13. And our theme is bearing responsibility for tragedy and living with immense guilt. So we're going to illustrate this theme with the vignette. And we're going to use the story of a woman we're going to call Margie. So Margie, who's generally a happy person, was driving home one day and she'd had a difficult day at her office. She's a director of a social service agency, does a lot of good, and this time had to confront a longtime staff member whose performance was slipping. So on the drive home, Margie was listening to soothing music on her favorite radio station. And just as she was feeling a bit more relaxed, a bicyclist sped through a stop sign, hitting Margie's car. The cyclist was not wearing a helmet. He flew off his bicycle, hit his head, and died a day later. Margie was devastated. She attended the cyclist's funeral. She met with his family. They cried together. Two years later, Margie is deeply affected and has yet to return to work and has a very difficult time socializing or having any kind of fun. And as you're thinking about that, I'd like to share with you a little bit about this Parsha. It's a double Parsha, Matot and Masse. We're wrapping up Bamidbar with, there's first of all an extended uh, discussion of the way that our words can bind us, discussion of vows. We learn of the commandment to settle Israel. All of these are moving us towards really law and life in, in Israel in the generations to come. Um, and one final piece before Bamidbar ends are the cities of refuge, cities where someone who has inadvertently committed murder, not through any particular fault of their own or desire, they are allowed to flee to a city of refuge. And the verse in Bamidbar chapter 35, verse 15, says the following, Livnei Yisrael v'lager v'latoshav v'tocham, these six cities, which have just been named, shall serve the Israelites and the resident aliens among them for refuge, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. Anyone, however, who strikes another with an iron object so that death results is a murderer. The murderer must be put to death. So this is really a fascinating commandment. And Margie doesn't have a city of refuge to go to. And my presumption, Michelle, is that Margie is probably in some ways aching for that, that second verse we read, which was that anyone who intentionally strikes someone with an iron object shall be put to death. That there, there is 
retribution and punishment if you hurt someone else or if you murder them. But if you don't do it on purpose, depending on the circumstances, you're, you're, uh, you can get off scot-free, but your conscience will bother you. And you have no community in which to expiate the shame and the guilt hmm. of what you have what you have done, even if it was unintentional, something profound, the end of a life has happened due to an action of your own. Margie must have thought about this a million billion times. If only she had seen the cyclists coming, if only she hadn't been relaxed. How many people feel that way? How many people actually these days, you know, are texting while they're driving or are preoccupied with whatever it is? Bad things happen because they neglected something. You know, like a situation, accidental drownings, accidental poisonings. It wasn't like you even were driving the car and you had an actual physical collision with another person like on our vignette. But you didn't move the medicine high enough in the cabinet mm, you didn't and the kid the got to it. And the gun didn't cabinet. lock the gun. Right. All these accidental deaths that happen because of a kind of, let's say, benign negligence. Mm -hmm. The guilt and the shame that the person has to live with going forward is enormous. And you're suggesting that the Ir Miklat, the city of refuge, could in some sense serve as a powerful way for somebody in that situation to, to have community, people who've done the same thing, and, and to be sort of marked as, uh, as people who have done something. They maybe, right. they maybe didn't murder on purpose, but they've done something that caused deep pain. Yeah, and it, it, it's just like a fascinating thought. What was life like in the city of refuge? I have wondered that my entire <laughs> life, and I think it would make a fantastic novel to, if, if you could set a novel in a, in a city of refuge. You know, were these people, were, were they full of people who were, were, had so many demons following them around? What, did, what were the Levites doing? They were running these cities. Were they some sort of proto-psychologist helping these people? Right, right. And what about, I mean, the, the, the city of refuge physically protects the person who was responsible for the death from the retribution uh -huh. of the family. Why do people have such a strong need for revenge? Why indeed? You know, there's, there's like this, in so many cultures, another person, let's say from, that, from, the, from the family of the person who committed the deed, will have to be sacrificed, killed, offered something in order to pay retribution. That's right. And the Torah specifically tries to move us away from, right. from that sense of, uh, of visceral retribution. But I think we all probably have some of that in us still, the desire to, um, to settle scores. And I think it probably also comes from a sense that if you can cause the other person the per if you can cause the person that perpetrated this act to suffer, somehow it will make things better. Somehow it might even bring back that person who's lost. Yeah, I think that there's a sense of, if not bring back, it's kind of holding a vigil. Because what happens with everybody is that memory fades. And I think that in a way, doing an act of retribution is kind of like, it's almost like keeping some kind of fire burning mm -hmm. for that person who's gone. See, I didn't let you go. I did something. And the person, the, the perpetrator may actually, we've been saying may desire that actually, that That's retribution. Right. I think so. I think sometimes people, you know, want to almost offer themselves up for some kind of punishment.
because they feel so guilty. And telling them, so what if we say to them the obvious thing to say, which I'm sure has been told to such people millions of times, which is, you know, it wasn't your fault. You didn't, you didn't do it. You didn't mean to do it. Um, it was out of your control. Is that helpful? Well, you know, you, you said if it's, it's been said to them a million times, I think, uh, unfortunately, um, there isn't kind of a society for these people in the modern day. Like there is, just as there is no city of refuge, it's not even a very recognized phenomenon in terms of what happens to people who were responsible for death through completely accidental situations like Margie. So what sort of symbolic actions do you think? What, what sort of symbolic cities of refuge um, could, could people who are facing this, God forbid, today? What, are the, what would those actions look like? Well, I think before we get to that, what should people do? I do think that it needs to start with a recognition that this is a profound psychological, emotional, and spiritual experience. And I think we can draw from the military Yes. Um, who really, it's only in the last several decades, recognized that people who are trained and sent to kill other people, many have psychological and emotional and spiritual sequelae mm. from doing exactly what they were told to do and what it was, they were told was serving their country. Even the noblest of soldiers can struggle with taking life. You just use an interesting word. What is sequela? Oh, follow-up, consequences. Mm. Um, and that there can be real spiritual and emotional, and they're different. They're not the same thing, spiritual and emotional consequences of having taken life. And that needs to be, people need to be helped to, to deal with that, to confront it, and to be able to return to normal life. And it strikes me that soldiers like people who are involved in accidental deaths, we do not treat their killing necessarily as murder. We, no. we don't view it that way. No. And a country might say to a soldier, you've done nothing wrong. You've served your country. You've been a hero. Yes. And, and yet so many soldiers do not feel that way. Right. And they come back and they never talk about their um, service or they never talk about what they did or they have nightmares or they have all sorts of deep wounds, psychological, spiritual wounds from that service. Um, so I think that before people can dis decide on actions that might be helpful for them, they need to express this experience. They need to talk about it. And I do think that finding some kind of group, some kind of supportive um, therapy is really profoundly important. I would say probably committing to some kind of service would be a helpful thing, something that feels restorative. Hmm. Um, I, I can't say what that would be for every person. It might be different, but I think something that affects other people I, I, would be probably a helpful thing. I think we can refer our listeners to a really wonderful article by Alice Gregory in the September 11th, 2017 issue of the New Yorker magazine, uh, which was called, How Do You Live After Unintentionally Causing a Death? Uh, and this article, which references, by the way, the cities of refuge um, as a really um, forward-thinking social phenomenon, talks all about the pain of these people. And that people in our society, they don't have training or sensitivity, even professionals, police, social workers, hospital personnel, 
don't necessarily have the training to to um, to help people who've experienced these events. And something that struck me, as she said, she asked the American Psychological Association mm -hmm. if they knew of any experts on helping people deal with causing accidental deaths, and they didn't. They didn't know what to say. So hopefully the reading about the cities of refu refuge can inspire us to think about those people in our midst who don't have cities to go to and yet need a place to be.